Hey everybody, this is Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight, with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. I know, I know what you're thinking, another MMA podcast. I know, there's a lot of us out there, but if you like bold, unapologetic hot takes, a detailed, broken down view of the fight game, and of course, stomach-hurting comedy, well, come to the right place. What's going on, puto maricongs? This is episode 30 of round 6 MMA Talk with me, your boy, Noah freaking Petrie. Again, this is episode 30 of round 6 MMA Talk. I'm going to be going over these last weekend's car, which is Bellator 288 and UFC Derek Lewis against Spivak, which didn't actually happen. But before I even get into any of that, guys, I want to let you guys know that next week... Next Tuesday, there won't be a podcast. So there will not be an episode. There will still be a podcast. Sorry, I I rephrased that wrong. There will still be a podcast, but there will not be an episode. And there is a very, very good reason for this. Because for all the blokes out there who are listening to my podcast who are not American, as you might know, um, next week, well, technically this week, sorry about that. This week is Thanksgiving which Thanksgiving is a holiday uh, Americans have. When we first came to the uh, North America, well, people from England first came to North America, were basically about to die. It wasn't for the Native Americans who were living there who helped their asses, and we gave a holiday of us thanking them and eating with them, and then we committed mass genocide of Native Americans and made a move to, like, Bumblefuck, Minnesota, Nebraska, to live on a a little area that they have to live on so yeah it's kind of like a uh, it's thanksgiving but in the end we thank them by committing mass genocide so yeah it's uh it's it's a it's a weird holiday for the states but it's a time where everyone come together for family and the, you know to, to be thankful for all the shit they have going on in their lives etc so that's the reason why i will not be doing a pot ne- not be doing an episode next week so the week of November 29th, there will not be an episode, guys. Episode 31 will be happening the week after. So I want to let you guys know ahead of time so that, you know, there's not any big surprises. Again, the week of the 29th, November 2022, there will not be an episode. It will come out the following week. I'll remind you guys at the end of this podcast as well. So now that that's got on the way, um, we're going to be going over... UFC, Derek Lewis against Spivak first, and I'll get into the Peltor fights after. But it's super unfortunate that this fight didn't even happen at all, because Derek Lewis had a stomach issue, and he wasn't, at the time, cleared the fight. I think he got cleared later on after uh, after everything was said and done. Um, I don't know if there's a, a specific reason, or like, uh, if there was like, I don't know, something truly bad of his stomach. Um, but it could be that he eats a lot of bullshit. Like, he is a, a big dude. He's not a, a slim dude whatsoever. He's not out here looking like Niganu. He's a big boy. And he often admits that he just eats whatever he wants. And then, you know, at the when fight camp is, is coming around the corner, then he just, like, doesn't eat whatever he wants for two, three weeks. And then he barely basically makes weight. So he clearly needs to get that under wraps. I mean, he has talked about it 
recently that uh, he, he's saying that his the end of his career is near, which he's getting up there in age anyway. And, uh, you know, it's clear that he is he's clearly on a, a three fight losing streak. Um, he had two chances to fight for the boat and it didn't go his way. So it, he, he realizes that he peaked, you know, he hit this, this glass ceiling and there, there, there's really not much to do after that. So I'm happy that he realized that and he's going to be calling the quits, you know, fairly soon for the most part. I hope he gets a couple victories so he can leave out on his own terms. But yeah, he needs to get that under wraps. That that's some again. If it's uh, if it's because of the weight cutting and that kind of shit, he's eating whatever he wants, and he should get under wraps. Again, I'm not exactly sure. Nothing was really disclosed about his stomach issues as of yet, or not that I know of for the research that I've done. But it's just unfortunate overall that the fight just got canceled out of nowhere, man. But that's 2022 for you. 2022, yeah, we had a lot of great cars and a lot of great fights this this year, but it's been low key a shit show i'm gonna be honest with you but i'm gonna be starting with the prelims first the very very first fight of the prelims which was natalia silva against Belita. and listen i may be a little biased here covering this one because as some of you may know i'm a huge fan of natalia silva not because she's extremely attractive in my eyes but because she is generally a very good fighter like her striking is elite 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 her striking is elite. Her combinations are good. Her her kicking range is good. I'd say kicking range is good. Her kicking is good. Staying within range is good. Her footwork is good. She throws feints, which is very rare in women's MMA. So all in all, I thoroughly enjoy watching her fight, which most people would say the same. So I'm covering this one for that reason. And it was easily the best knockout of the night, probably one of the best knockouts of the year. Um, I would say best woman knockout of the year. But yeah, Natalia Silva against against uh, against Belita. and that first round it was very grappling heavy for Belita. Um, Natalia Silva, at times, you know, she she, de- she definitely did defend a lot of the takedowns that were coming at her. She did reverse position a couple of times. I think she was able to sw- sw- sweep the leg, um, get Belita to the ground, but Belita was able to or bled up. Sorry, I'm pronouncing it wrong. But she was able to reverse position, and basically that was. For the most part, the round. There wasn't much striking going on. It was more so grappling. And Blada definitely got the better of the grappling. Towards the end of the round, she got a triangle, which Natalia Silva was doing a lot of things that fight IQ-wise in that position wasn't very good. Um, There are some things that she did right, though. For instance, she was hiding that left arm under Blada's butt, which would have been hard to get to. And even when Blada was able to get the, the arm for, at first she had a triangle, then she's going for the arm bar. She was able to, you know, still maintain control over her arm, grabbing it to make sure that it doesn't get hyperextended, which would have basically ended the fight at that point. Um, so I would say she, from a grappling position wise, she she got saved by the bell just a little bit. If it would have went on for another minute or a minute or two, um, who knows what would have happened. But in the second round, it's honestly a completely different story. Um, Silva was doing very very well. I mean, yeah, Silva was doing very very well on the feet. It was clear that Silva had the striking advantage, um, and Blade started to look tired on the feet. She really didn't have anything for Silva. She tried to just constantly go for grappling positions go for wrestling positions and it really wasn't working out in her favor the same way it was on the first round so it was a clear second round for silva the third round blade looked extremely tired 
she looked very, very tired. She had her hands down, her hands low, very sluggish. She wasn't throwing at all, and Silva was just fucking letting it rip on her. So in the very beginning of the third round, um, Silva did something that wasn't great fight IQ either, was she caught the kick, then she tried to go for a takedown, which at that point, why are you getting in a position where your opponent is better than you in that field, and they're tired, and you're better on the feet? It just didn't make any sense. It didn't, nothing came of it, thank God. Um, she, I, she didn't technically really get the takedown from a, uh, from a judging perspective, wasn't a takedown, but she definitely tried to initiate it, which I didn't think was very smart. But the fight landed right back on her feet. Stover was doing her thing. Her footwork was perfect. She was throwing very good kicks as well. She was staying within range. She was throwing those straight light, right hands that were landing, you know, with devastating power. Um, but then the ending sequence was. Silva tried to go, tried level change to go for a takedown. I mean, Blader tried to level change to go for a takedown. Silva did a spinning back kick straight to the jaw, was beautifully timed, and that's all the fight goes. So, very, very impressive victory for Silva. Blader was undefeated up until this point, coming into the octagon in his bout. And I'm looking forward to see Silva continual fight, continuously fight higher and higher levels of competition. Now we have Jack Nemanalena against Danny Roberts. And dude, Jack Nemanalena's JDM, we should just start calling them JDM. JDM's freaking boxing is so good, man. He arguably has the best boxing in that division. Like pure boxing in the welterweight division, I, I can't think of anyone else. His boxing, his boxing is so crisp and so good. But not only that, yeah, his boxing is good, but he he's still throws really good kicks. There was times where he would throw a combination just in boxing and throw a flush knee. It was really perfectly too. So it's not just his hands that are good, but just his overall striking though. And Danny Roberts just didn't have anything for JDM to begin with. I think Roberts should have shot for a takedown, should have initiated a clinch, should have, um, because Magdalena came out there and was constantly had Roberts on the back foot, closing the distance, landing combinations when Roberts was against the cage. He did a very good job mixing it up, going to the body, going to the head. And at the end of one of the uh, combinations, he threw a knee, which landed perfectly. And Roberts just really didn't have anything for him. He wasn't able to, to get JDM's respect. He wasn't able to back JDM up at all. He didn't try to wrestle or clinch or anything. And dude, JDM just put it on him, was able to put him away in that first round. So a very, very impressive victory for JDM. I think he should fight a ranked opponent very soon. I would like to see him fight someone who ha is grappling or wrestling heavy just to see how he would perform because he is just going in there tearing through everyone. Like He's knocking everyone out, basically. He's on a, a little bit of a run right now, so I'd like to see how he would perform with someone with a wrestling or, or grappling background. And then we have Fialo against Salikov. And I just, I, I think that Fialo should have took a little bit more time to rest, man. I think he should have took a little bit more time to rest. Because that Matthews fight, he got, he got beat, he got, you know, he was going to beat up pretty bad in that Matthews fight. And usually when that happens, you should take the time to rest. Take the time to relax. Take the time to recover. And he, he his schedule is crazy. He's fighting all the time. Like, it was like his third time fighting this year. The year's not even over yet. So... I don't know. I, th I think he came back way too soon. I get someone who is a very, very good striker in Salikov. Even though he lost his last one before this to, 
I want to say Li Zhang Liang. I'm pretty sure it was Li Zhang Liang, but besides that, man, like he he's striking wise, you know, even though he's Dagestani and most people recognize Dagestani as wrestlers, his he has an extensive kickboxing background. Very good fighter. And I just didn't think striking wise was gonna be the best bet for Fialo. And yes, he is he's a very good striker. Very good striker. But it's also been said that he's a fairly good grappler as well. And I'm I'm pretty sure I, I know that Selikov's back, even though he's a kickboxing background, he's from Dagestan, so I know he has some wrestling capabilities because it's in their blood there. But I think that wrestling or grappling or clinch work or making it a dirty fight, closing the distance, having Solikov against the cage would have been the best bet for him. And that's something that he just straight up did not do. He was too comfortable in fighting at range with Solikov, which is Solikov's range, man. And what's, what really surprised me was that Solikov was the first one to initiate the takedowns. And he was able to hold Fialo down for a, a while, too. So that really surprised me. But besides that, in the second and the third round, man, Fialo just had nothing for Solikov. He couldn't effectively close the distance. He couldn't effectively land any punches. There was times where he just really wasn't throwing or anything. And Solikov was just teeing off on him, man. Was just straight up teeing off on him. That second round, you could easily say it was a 10-8 round. And going into the third, man, Solikov was a spinning back kick to the stomach, which is like his specialty. That's his move. That spinning back kick to the stomach drops him, got back, got back up, spinning back kick to the head, and just started unloading on him and the referee stepped in there stopped the fight which i think was a hundred percent justified i don't think it was an early stoppage at all i think it was chris tagnoni who was a referee there i think he did an excellent job realizing that listen the last two rounds for was really getting the shit beat out of him he's getting teed off here it's the second time being dropping around he's down you know two he's down all three rounds fuck it call it off you know so i really don't have any uh any objections to that stoppage whatsoever. I think Chris Tonioni did him a favor there. Um, the, the referee is there to save you from yourself at times, which he definitely would have did. So solid win by Solikov. He's always a joy to watch. Um, another fighter who fights fairly often as well himself and looking forward to his next fight. And now we have the main event for the UFC card, which was Kennedy, fuck, I can't pronounce his last name, against Ian Kutilaba. And immediately, the first thing I realized watching these two fighters was how fucking big Kennedy was compared to Kutilaba. Kennedy's huge, man, for a division. He looked like he was in a completely other division. And they're fighting a light heavyweight, you know? These, these aren't small boys. Like, Ian Kutilaba is not a small guy. And Kennedy just fucking dwarfed him. But Ian Kutalaba, he, I don't want to say rocks Kennedy in the first stages of the, the, the round one, but he drops, Ken, he, he wobbles Kennedy and immediately he goes for a takedown, which I understand that's like his, his background, this is specialty, but I say it's time and time again. I literally say this probably once a week. If you have your opponent rocked or hurt, continue to strike do not go for a takedown you can shoot for a takedown after they recover or you weren't able to put them away but when you have them hurt bro continue to strike why are you shooting for a takedown you're just allowing your opponent to potentially recover which is exactly what happened if you would have continuously picked a shot have kennedy against the cage and be smart for striking who knows what would have happened in the fight 
but he shot for a takedown. And yeah, Grant, he was able to control Kennedy for most of the round, even when Kennedy was significantly bigger than him. But either way, dude, like, why are you doing that? Just continuously, continuously strike. Why are you shooting for a takedown? And that's what happened. Yeah, granted, he was able to, to control Kendi for a little bit, but that's, you know, it was Kendi was able to recover. And I, I believe Kennedy rocked him in the first round, too, and dropped him in the first round, which led him to win the round, I believe. I'm pretty sure. I could be mistaken there. But the fight was over in a second. You know, Kennedy rocked Kutilaba, hurt him pretty bad, and Kutilaba went in for an inside leg kick, kicked Kennedy in the sack. Kennedy realizing that Kutilaba is, you know, on a wobbly leg, so like, yo, fuck it, I don't care if my sack is hurt, I'm going to keep going, which I think was very, very good fight IQ for him. Kennedy lands a flush knee and just puts it on Kutilaba, and the fight was over there. So I'm not going to knock both men because they're coming up you know, into the main event spot out of nowhere, you know, on short notice. But um, I just think it was bad fight IQ for Kutalaba. And Kennedy got it done. Now I want to get into Bellator 288. And first it was Namagamadov against Patriki for the light for the uh, lightweight title. And, dude, Patriki just had nothing for Namagamadov. He had nothing for him. He simply had nothing for him. Um, Numagomedov, as we know, is a striker. Yeah, he can wrestle as well, but he's known as a striker. He's not like his cousin could be, who is predominantly wrestling. And he, dude, Patricky just had nothing for him. He couldn't effectively close the distance. Numagomedov is so good fighting at that kickboxing range, utilizing kicks to keep the distance. And Patricky is known, at, and his brother, Patricio, they're known as counter strikers. They're known to stay in the middle of the of the cage. Um, and land for that counter strike, and he just wasn't able to do it at all. Um, I, I think Patricky could have, because he had a devastating right hand. That's you know the, the ace up his sleeve. He should have tried to close the distance and have the Margamadoff has his back against the cage and try to land a right hand or try to do a straight right when they're in the center of the octagon. But he just had nothing for him, man. It was a clear, clear, clear victory for Patriki. I mean, for uh, for Nurmagomedov, excuse me. I think Nurmagomedov, you could have even gave him a 10-8 that second round because he was literally seconds away from, from getting a TKO victory. Um, Patriki didn't win not one round, in my opinion. I, I As I was watching the fight, I don't think Patriki won one round. Um, and even if he did in some people's books, I don't, I don't think it was very close. It wasn't a close fight whatsoever. Um, and I, I don't know who is going to dethrone, um, Nurmagomedov in this division. I really don't. I really, really don't. I think the only person who has potential is maybe Patricio himself or AJ McKee. I don't know if I favor Nurmagomedov to beat AJ or to beat Pipple yet, but I do think he would give either man a very tough fight. And now we have... Anderson against Nemkov. And I was this is the fight that I was truly the most excited about because the first time around, Anderson was clearly winning that fight. Anderson was able to take Nemkov down. Um, Nemkov is a man who's known for his takedown defense. He fought, you know, um, Phil Davis twice, and Phil Davis wasn't able to effectively take him down or control him at all. And, you know, the fact that Corey Anderson was able to do so in that first fight was very impressive and very shocking to a lot of us. And unfortunately, as we, as all of you know, the fight ended 
through a headbutt sequence, you made that create a cut, and it was labeled a no contest. The person who benefited from that was Nemkov, the champion, because he was getting beat in that fight up until that point. It was in the third round. We don't know what would have happened in the fourth or fifth, but he was losing the fight up until that point. So he was able to regroup, recover, study tape, and get a second try at it, which he just looked like the better fighter. I was shocked that Corey Anderson wasn't able to take Nemkov down at all. I think Nemkov stuffed 15 takedowns, which is unheard of. Like, no one has ever done that to Corey Anderson ever. So the fact that he was able to do it is extremely impressive. And even on the feet, you know, Corey Anderson is known as a devastating striker. He's known for someone who has a lot of cardio, you know, it, it, which is really counterintuitive because most of the time when someone had devastating power, they don't have the best cardio. But, you know, Anderson is a very well-rounded fighter. Great cardio, great wrestling, and pretty good striking with power. And Nemkov was able to neutralize all of it. You know, he, he, Corey Anderson wasn't able to land any significant damage. He was doing pretty good with the left jab at times and countering with the left jab, but he wasn't throwing the right hand at all, which is pretty shocking to me. Uh, even on the broadcast, they noticed it as well. And they were thinking, is it an injury there? Or, you know, is there a reason why he's not throwing that right hand? I think that there were a few times where if he would have threw the right hand, it would have landed, but he just wasn't throwing it. So I'm curious to see what comes afterwards of, you know, if he was injured or the right, or he broke his right hand or wherever the case may be. But Nemkov just overall looked like the better fighter. And he's going to be fighting UL next. And honestly, I think he's going to beat UL. You know, Yoel is very, not a young fighter whatsoever. Um, he hasn't looked that good um, since being in Bellator. Uh, against Phil Davis, he clearly lost that one. And he had like two gimme fights with fighters who just weren't on his level afterwards. And he got the TKO victory. But I don't think Yoel is going to be able to do it. But I do, I think that, you know, why not capitalize on UL's name? So it's a fight that, that makes sense when there's not a, a clear contender in that light heavyweight division right now. But those were the fights for last weekend, guys. I want to get into the MMA news slash drama, which honestly, there's not a lot of. This is going to be a short episode. I really try to do a deep dive into all the uh, the drama and news that were happening from this past week, and there's not much. There's really not much. It's, I feel like the last two weeks have been juicy for the news and drama. The last two weeks have been like crazy shit for news and drama. And it, 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 this week is a little bit dull, so sorry guys, this is this is all I can give you. <laughs> but uh, Dustin Poirier says that he's uninterested in Darius' fight and just wants big fights. And I agree with this one. Like, DP fought for the title twice. You know, Darius is a tough out. Darius has, has very good wrestling, which is DP's clear weakness. And it just doesn't make sense for him, you know. And Darius is not a big name. So he's not, you know, like, why? It doesn't make sense for someone who has a stardom of Dustin Poirier and someone who is, you know, he's admittedly, he's admittedly like, he's on the last legs of his career. He doesn't have much left. You know, Dustin Poirier, Chandler, Gaethje, those guys don't have much left in the game. They have a few fights left and that's it. And I think for those guys, we should just do big fights. You know, they, they all got their chance. Chandler got his chance, DP got his chance, Justin got his chance, dude, just fuck it, you know, 
just, just, just shouldn't, either of them really should get a third chance, in my opinion. We should have the newcomers, like, I mean, Darius is not a newcomer, but have like a Darius fight for the belt next. Or, you know, like, just other guys who are who are on the up and up, who are rising through the division, who never got a title shot. They should be the ones, the next generation should be the ones fighting next. Have these other guys just like fight each other and make fun fights and make a lot of money. So I agree with Dustin Poirier. I don't think the Darius fight really makes sense. I was kind of shocked when he said he would take it. But I think he should fight someone like Gaethje next. Dude, DP Gaethje too. I think that will be a very entertaining fight. No matter if it's win or lose, it would make a lot of money. Um, and I think that that's a, what's left for those guys in their career. Then Figueredo claims that he has a spy in Moreno's camp. Uh, he infiltrated Moreno's camp, training camp. And this should be illegal. I don't know the rules and regulations for this, but this should 100% be illegal. This should not be allowed. Like, you shouldn't be able to have a spy and admit that you have a spy in your opponent's camp to get their game plan. That's really fucking shady. That shouldn't be allowed whatsoever. And I hope that the UFC does something about this. Again, I'm not really clear on the on the rules here because I never heard a fighter doing this before. I mean, it was probably happening before, most definitely. But I never heard of a fighter just being open about it. So I'm hoping that UFC takes action and stops this you know because it doesn't make like it's like really like it's like openly cheating you know we should the ufc should do something about this and goran ryan taps bo nickel in a submission grappling contest i believe he taps him with a triangle i could be wrong about the submission that defeated bo nickel but goran ryan did it very easy there's two things two things for this one is goran ryan did you really expect bo nickel to win the dude's a fucking white belt Going against the greatest grappler of all time. Definitely the no Gigo. You can argue that he's the greatest jiu-jitsu specialist ever. So a wipeout against that guy, like obviously this was not gonna be Bo Nichols. And, and submission grappling, the wrestling is very different to what Bo Nickel was used to. You can't utilize a lot of the same wrestling moves you can do in NCAA or the Olympics or whatever in a grappling match like some of the wrestling you can't utilize so obviously it's going to be an uphill battle for him so this is not a surprise whatsoever you know i'm just talking about it because the community saw this and they're like oh you know this is the guy you have being the next middleweight champion this this and that like listen <laughs> it's a submission grappling match if it was an mma match maybe it would have went differently i probably don't think so but you know, this is a very, very uphill battle for Bo Nickel. Like, no one really expected him to win this one. And not only that, listen, guys, and I'm going to say this to the community, right? You guys need to stop sucking Bo Nickel. He is not tested whatsoever. He has not had one fight in the UFC yet. Not one fight in the UFC yet. He's only fought in a contender series. Like... He's very, very green and new to MMA. Yeah, he has potential. He has potential from what what we've looked at him and what he's able to accomplish so far and how he's looked. He has potential, but like you shouldn't be saying that he's going to be the next middleweight champion. Like we need to relax there. Like we need to chill out. He needs to be tested. We need to see how he does against a striker or someone who has an extensive wrestling background or extensive sambo background or extensive jiu-jitsu background and go from there. 
Like, he hasn't fought real competition yet. Like, we should relax, you know. But you don't know if he's going to be the next middleweight champion. And listen, I'm excited to see him progress. I'm excited to see where he, who he fights next and how he performs and his development. But we need to relax. Like, the MMA community tends to, like, go all in on these fighters that haven't proven themselves whatsoever. I'm very hesitant to, like, give my approval of a fighter. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm the, the very last one to, to get on the Shemayev train. Like, I was like, yo, if he, if he beats Burns, then I'm on the train. Before that, I wasn't on the train. So, like, I'm very hesitant for these guys. And rightfully so, because you don't know, you know, as they progress up the ladder, how they're going to perform and how well they're going to do. So, I'm not sold on the fighter until they beat in the best of the best. and We start to beat the best of the best in the division. So until Bo Nickel starts doing that, I'm not sold on him. So I, I, again, I'm telling people that you know, we can't just be jumping on bandwagons because someone looks good in a few fights. You know, we we gotta see him tested. We have to see him tested and how they'll perform. And of course, I have no Petri predictions for next week because there is no fights next week, which is the reason why I'm actually taking off too, because. It's a holiday in America, and there's no fights. So there's not going to be much news coming out because it's a holiday. It's not going to be fights. So there really wouldn't be much to talk about. And on top of that, I went 30 episodes straight, giving you guys content, not missing a week, nothing. So I think I deserve a vacation for one week because it's a holiday. You know, So uh, there's no Petri predictions for this week, unfortunately, because there is a... There's no fights. So I'm going to jump into my hot take for the week, which is, is City Kickboxing overrated? I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, yo, you're fucking wilding right now, which I might be. I just might be, but that's the point. It's a hot take. And the only reason why I'm saying this, listen, I'm not saying CKB is a bad camp. I bet they're a really good, I bet they're a really good gym. I, I mean, they have a, a lot of good fighters. They definitely revolutionized the game of striking. And he, in MMA, and they did that through fainting. No one was fainting in MMA until CKB guys came up on the scene. And not a lot of people utilize fainting much, but it's, it's something that, like the leg kick, is, is going to start to be utilized by everyone. It's going to be like the industry standard. Um, so, you know, they, they definitely revolutionized the game with striking. And Eugene Behrman is a very good coach, too. Very good coach. Do not get me wrong. But are they overrated? That's a question that that's in hand. And I think that, I don't think that they're overrated, but I do think they get sucked off a little bit too much. I, I, don't, I don't think they're overrated, but I think they're overhyped, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't think they're, yeah, I don't think they're overrated, but I think they're overhyped. And the reason for this, you have to look at their combined total wins and losses with all their fighters in the UFC, and it ain't great. It's like 26 and 13 or like, you know, 20, 23 and like 16. Actually, I'm going to try to look for the exact number, but it's not a great number. Yeah, it's over 500, but it's not great. And most of those wins comes from two people, which is um, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and, and Ansanya. So a majority of your wins are coming from two people and the majority of your losses are coming from everyone else. So it's like 
is it your camp is extremely good or is it you just have two world-renowned fighters at the same time within this era so it's a that's why i say it's a little bit of both i think they're overall a good camp i think in general they're very good and if you go over there you would become a good fighter but do i think it's like the greatest camp in mma no because when you look at the wins losses ratio in comparison to all their fighters most of it is is Anasanya and Volkanovski is doing the winning rather than the other fighters who are doing the losing. So, yeah, that's that's why I personally believe I don't I think they're overhyped. I don't think they're overrated, but I think they're overhyped. I think people are sucking them off a little bit too much. So, uh, especially when you look at the overall record and of course, they clearly have a uh when you look at most of the fighters and their losses, their weakness is clearly grappling. Grappling and wrestling, which it's a kickboxing camp. So it kind of goes hand in hand as like, duh, bro, fucking obviously is going to be a detriment. But again, man, I think it's I think it's a little bit overhyped. I think it's a good camp overall and people could definitely benefit going there, especially in, in regards to striking. But I think that, you know, it, I think it's more so they have two world-class fighters at the time um more so that they're like super elite and like a level above everyone else i don't think that i think that it's just because they have Anasanya and volkanovsky that those two guys can literally go to any camp any major camp in mma and become champion like they're just one of a kind once in a generation level fighters um uh, and when you look at the region, you know, where CKB is located, you're not really going to get that much talent there either. Like, that's the thing. It's not a hub for MMA. Like, it's not like a USA or Brazil, you know, that like are just going to pump out MMA fighters. Or even like a Russia now is going to pump out MMA fighters. Like, that's really not the case. It's never really not the case. It, it, you know, for, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the Irish, the Irish gym that McGregor goes to. Um, I'm blanking now on that gym's name, but an example to them or example to, uh, TriStar MMA in Canada, like, you know, it, it's hard to find very good talent within those regions because they're not MMA hubs. And you're really not going to have guys in the USA going over there when they can find what they can find in the USA. So it's more so like, you know, I think it's, I think CKB is more like a tri-star or the gym that McGregor goes to. I forgot the name of the gym where they just have a once in a lifetime, once in a generation fighter than just being a cut above everyone else. But that's my hot take for the week, guys. And of course, next week, the 29th will not be an episode. Episode 31 will happen the week, the following week after because I will be on a break and UFC will be on a break. It's the holiday. Let me enjoy my fucking holiday. But I love you guys and I do appreciate you guys coming in every single week, tuning in every single week to hear me talk about MMA. Of course, you can find me on all bit, all major you know, podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, XM Radio, etc. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, Noah underscore A underscore Petrie. Twitter, Noah Petrie R6. And guys, I hope you have a great week. If you're in America, I hope you have a happy holidays. Enjoy it with your family. And I'll talk to you guys soon.